Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Father God, thank you. There isn't, there are not enough words to express. There aren't enough motions to capture, and um, just to be able to pour out the glory and the love and the adoration and the awe and the praise and the worship that we have for you, Father. Father, we praise you for everything. We thank you for the thick and the thin. We thank you for the difficult and the glorious. We thank you for the times that are supernatural and miraculous in our walk and uh, many miracles and touches in our lives and 1111s and impossible coincidences. And we praise you, Father, for who you are, how glorious you are, your loving kindness, the incredible mercy that does, in fact, endure forever, the, the things that we do not understand. We praise you over all of creation just to be able to look through the uh, various space telescopes, even the newer ones that have been just recently uh, activated, and to be able to look into the depths of the universe, light years, hundreds and hundreds of light years away of light that, uh, you know, departed its source, you know, potentially thousands and hundreds of thousands of light years ago, and not even knowing if those same galaxies even exist anymore. Father, we just love you. We thank you for all of creation. We thank you for the trees. We thank you for the beauty of the snow, even though a lot of people are struggling probably with it at this point. Um, Father, we thank you for the beauty of all the things that, that, that you have put on this earth to help us to be able to embrace and to see how glorious and amazing that you are. And we thank you, Father, for the times that we have that are peaceful, that then the hungry, that the hunger that you put into our hearts that that uh, sometimes we have to fight to fight our way back to uh, using various spiritual warfare tactics and various methods uh, to to get ourselves back on course back onto that narrow path where we're not on flimsy crumbly ground and not breaking through the guardrails but uh, steadied a little bit more by the presence of your angels steadied a little bit more by uh, the quality of our walk and the lack or the reduction in distractions and challenges and attacks and, and and trials and tribulations that we may or may not walk through gracefully at some at times, but Lord God, when we look at all of the amazing things that we have before us, the incredible uh, concepts of eternity and potentially being chosen to rule and reign with our Lord Jesus, and understanding how huge that could potentially be, believing that it is highly likely that it is over all of creation because Jesus is Lord over all of creation, and so are you, Father, and we. Just thank you for all of this, this, this view, this, the expanse of the understanding of the creator of creation and how big creation actually is beyond even that which we're able to see with the technologies that are available even today. Father, we just praise you for everything that you are. We thank you for your love does endure. Your mercy does endure forever. We praise you, Father God, for Isaiah 43:25, where it clearly says that you will not remember our sins. Father, we understand that there are dynamics in the word that are hard for some people to understand, you know, uh, di- dynamics whereby, you know, where the scripture will say one thing and then something else that seems to conflict. But I think, and I believe with all of my heart and I, father, I think you've revealed this clearly that, that, that there are, that all of us are not cut from the same cookie cutter. We're not all, you know, there are wise virgins. There are foolish virgins. There are those who will re- receive greater rewards than, than others. And through the testimony of, uh, Odin Hetrick and others that we can, trust uh, in, in their 
uh, times that they've been taken to heaven and their testimonies, we know that uh, there is no jealousy. There is no, there's nothing but gratefulness and glory and, and, and a just deep, uh, unspeakable, amazing, astonishing, stupendous and uh, adoration for all things that we will experience when we leave this place. We look so forward, Father, to perhaps being chosen to be in your presence, to be, uh, you know, one of those who Jesus speaks, who, who, you know, who the Holy Spirit speaks through in the book of Jude at the at, on the prayer at the end of the book of Jude, where it says, now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday before the presence of your glory. Father, may we all be found worthy in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus to stand in that place to be found guiltless to to be uh to, for you not to remember our sins as it says in isaiah 43:25, for them to be truly blotted out so that they can't that they no longer exist and father we just praise you for that mercy we thank you for your loving kindness we thank you for helping us to be able to persevere i raise my hand and i think i'm i i'm a type of a poster child of of uh of of what you know uh, of someone who has struggled who you know knew better uh you know certainly understood the penalties certainly understood the the repercussions of uh, uh of uh you know the heavenly reward system uh the merit and demerit system that is spoken of in first corinthians chapter 3 verses 13, 14, 15, all the way up to 17, give or take. Father, we just praise you for that, uh, where our works will be tested by fire of what sort they are. Father, we just praise you for these understandings. We thank you for the advanced understandings of those things. And Father, we, you know, I praise you for your limited, unlimited, uh, indeed limitless uh, uh, forgiveness and grace and you know, 70 times seven how many how much the apostle said to jesus you know how, how many times should we forgive our brother for sinning against us 70 times 70 even of course which was just metaphorical for endlessly if it's required knowing that that is who you are as our father setting an example through jesus to the apostles and helping us to understand how forgiving you are to understand that the parable of the of the prodigal son is not necessarily Necessarily just one event, but it could be many times that we have backslidden over our entire lifetime, difficulties that we have gone through where we have not responded gracefully to the trials and the testing and the tribulations that we have gone through. And we thank you, Father, for that incredible mercy. We praise you for help, helping us to be able to stand back up after we've been knocked down, maybe not responding gracefully as we ought, and, uh, and, and bringing us to a place of a new strength. And continuing to show mercy to us, even uh, in times, you know, when we, when you know, there's a there's a saying, Father, and I know that you know it. You know that I read it a lot, where it says, you know, when, um, uh, you know, when I am at my worst, love me then, because that's when I need it the most. And you're that kind of a father. Yeah, you're that kind of a father, and you're that kind of a Jesus. And we just praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for being our advocate. We thank you for, for praying for us. We thank you for standing in the courts of heaven and sticking up for us as as uh, as, as our father did for you know Joshua, the high priest, in Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 7. We praise you for the scriptures that help us to understand that there, you know, that, 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 that we will, you know, providing that we are in a continuous state of confession of our sins, recognizing that we 
we don't have sinless days, uh, that we're always in a, it, it always besets us. As David said, it is always before us and until our mothers conceived us. Father, we just praise you and thank you for the opportunity to be able to come before you. We thank you for your continuous blessings. We thank you for your continuous strengthening, in a, for strengthening of us. We praise you, uh, Lord Jesus, for uh, Philippians 4.13, for we can indeed do all things through you who strengthens us. Uh, sometimes we feel so weak and worn out that we don't feel like you're there strengthening us. And then we give it more time. We continue to work on things. We don't give up. We brush ourselves off. We continue to seek prayer or, or seek you in prayer, uh, you know, ever striving to get a little bit better, you know, maybe three, four steps forward, three steps backward, but nevertheless progressing, uh, you know, depending on what, what trials and tribulations we may be going through at any given time and hoping that we never get to a place where we are the Pharisee in the parable of, of the tax collector and the Pharisees thinking that we have made it. We pray that we will continuously have a contrite spirit, a contrite heart before thee, Father, for we are perpetually and forever unworthy. And we need to, to, to be reassured that you are at our side protecting us in all manners possible, even when we're undeserving of it, even when we sometimes trip up and behave in a certain manner that it might may allow the darkness to get a foothold on our lives uh, and, and give them uh, the ability to attack us in, 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 you know, in ways that they may not have been otherwise. And Father, we just thank you for that. We thank you for continuously being there, in a sense, kind of treating us all as we struggle with our sanctification process and our, and our refining, uh, you know, helping us to understand understand that in many ways we're very similar to Job. And, um, and we pray that you will continue to give us the patience of Job, that we will continue to persevere, that we will continue to recognize who we are in the kingdom, and also to recognize because of the blessings of your incredible uh, mercy and the blessings of your loving kindness that you, Father, would, will, will blot out our transgressions, that you won't remember our sins, and that, it, and that you will re-strengthen us, that you will stand us up straight and tall, that you will plant us at our feet firm on a rock, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what we go through, no matter uh, what phase of our lives or, or what uh, this short period we may be going through or whatnot, Father, we just praise you for steadying our course, Jesus picking us up and carrying us over the shards of glass and the hot coals and, and pulling us up from the well when we fall into it. And we do fall into it, if we, even if we don't realize it. And we just thank you, Father. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. There is not enough praise in all of creation. There is not enough praise in all of the universes. There is not enough praise that can come from the trillions and trillions and trillions of life forms in the, in, in the hundreds of trillions of galaxies that are out there, Father God, even in this universe alone. There is not enough praise that can give you the glory that you deserve. We thank you, Father God, for your incredible mercy. We praise you, Father God, for not remembering our sins. We thank you, Father God, because through this, through our contrite spirit, through our being the Beatitudes, through our perseverance, through our determination and the revelation of, of the power that we have been have had bestowed and given us through Jesus Christ who lives in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in us that we 
have the power of the Godhead. And if we only step out in faith and direct and understand the best possible way to pray and pray and to direct the power that you have given us against the enemy, that we have an advantage, humongous and unstoppable advantage against the enemy, and that we are here to destroy, as Jesus was, the works of the devil. And praise you, Father God, because when we understand that we are in charge of the devil, that we have, you know, you know, that, that, you know, in the sense that we have to destroy his works, uh, you know, we can't stop him. Only you, Father God, can stop him and 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 and, put, and, and contain him in a sandbox and and stop his his evil ways and and you know through containment. And Father, we we understand you know what is what the final outcome is, but nevertheless, we praise you, Father God, for helping us to understand that through the power that we were given through Jesus Christ, through the power that we are given through the uh, Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through the power that we were given through you, that we are exercising the power of the Godhead, and we have the equivalent of the power of the Godhead, and that that allows us to absolutely stomp on the demons of darkness, the workers of Satan, and all of the evil that is around us that attempts to come against us over and over again and sometimes seemingly will not stop. Father, we praise you for that. We thank you for the perseverance that you've given us. We thank you for the revelation of the power. We praise you for, for every day that we are in and every day that we have ahead of us. And again, there are just simply not words to describe. May we all spend more time, Father, more time on our knees, in the dark, unhindered, un, with not, without a sound outside the door. Hopefully we live in a place where we don't have an awful lot of distractions outside of our houses and we can get some peace and quiet. We can close our doors. We can pull a blanket over our head if necessary. And we can really, really focus and concentrate and be in your presence and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we're able to intimately have a conversation with you, our Lord Jesus, and exercise that power in such a manner that it will make a, a fantastic difference and it will bear much fruit and that fruit will remain as it says in John 15:16 we pray father god in the name of jesus that there isn't a wasted breath that comes out of our mouth there isn't a time that we pray that it isn't through uh through romans 8 uh uh 826 uh, uh father god that it isn't uh, made manifest power before your holy throne room in such a fashion that it comes against the works of the devil destroys his works in the name of jesus and leads more and more people father god to your glory we praise you and thank you we i'm i'm so blown away i'm so blown away by you father and i just love you so much i love you so much and i thank you so much i thank you jesus i pray that every single person i pray there isn't a breath that was wasted on any of these prayer vigils i pray in the name of jesus if, if there is any good that comes out of any of these prayer vigils father i pray in jesus name that the people that listen the people that participate that they learn that they listen that they learn the tactics that they understand the methods that are being employed they understand why those words are being said they understand that these are powers that we are given, that these things are actually happening. We're not just praying prayers in some sort of a, a void, uh, you know, like so many people do because they don't understand the power that was given to them, but that when we pray the holy fire of God down on demons, that these things are actually happening, and that, that, that it is more real than the things that we even see or live in our lives, even, you know, the, the things that we're able to witness in this hologram that we're trapped in. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every single person that has ever stumbled across, listened even for a 
couple of minutes to any of these prayers that has ever read the article that I put up called Spiritual Warfare Prayers on tribulation-now.org. Father God, I pray to any person that is so much as brushed up against them in the name of Jesus, that they will put into effect in their lives and on behalf of their loved ones and on behalf of other people, the, un- the unsaved and the lost, that they will put those prayers into action in their lives on behalf of others and them and themselves for physician heal thyself because they need to be healthy and strong too as well to be as effectual in their prayers as possible. I pray, Father God, in Jesus' name, if, that if there is any good, any good at all that comes out of these prayer vigils, it is the mounting up of more and more believers, more and more that come to the revelation of the truth, more and more that realize that we operate in the power of the Godhead, more and more that put fear and shaking in the very body or whatever it is that makes up that which Satan is, that puts fear into the, the kingdom of darkness, that scatters the darkness in every which direction, that, 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 that disperses the enemy in the horror of having a napalm-like sticky holy fire magnesium white hot burning them in the horrific agony understanding that we are going to, we're not going to take second base we are not going to stand here and take it we are going to bring the the weaponry that was given to us through the sword of the spirit and we were going to, we're going to jam that weaponry back to the devil's face we're going to jam it back into the demon's face we're going to take the 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 the, the war right into their encampment and we're going to destroy the works of the devil to the best of our ability we shall not have fear we shall continue to stand if we get knocked down off of our game because we become a prime target of the devil we shall and we proclaim that we will get back up and we will take our positions as sons of god against the wiles of the devil and the and the evil works that have been brought not only against us but against generations before us in the mighty name of the lord jesus we pray and thank you father god for that alone is the only thing that really matters how do we perform I mean, be above and beyond in our prayer life, how do we perform in a manner that destroys, as Jesus, the works of the devil? In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Father God. Amen. Tonight is February the 4th of 2022. The Focus My Eyes, third of ADAR, uh, one, it looks like, 5782. All right, and the next holiday is Purim Katan, which is February the 15th of 2022. Praise God. The time now is 7.21 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And I know a lot of people, you know, there, you know, there were some words that, look, back, I'm not going to get into it. Just go listen to the testimonies of Dimitri Dudeman. Go listen to the testimonies of, of Henry Groover, the the. the, the Anyway, and you'll, you'll know beyond any shadow of a doubt that our Heavenly Father has made it abundantly clear that there is beyond, and again, beyond any, even the itsy-bitsiest, teensy-weensiest, little bitty shadow of a doubt, that the United States of America is, in fact, Babylon the Great. But there's so much material out there that proves it over and over again, let alone the testimonies of God's generals over 40, 60, 70, 80 years. It's indisputable. Not to mention that every way that the United States acts and has acted is precisely the same exact way that the kingdom of Babylon acted when Nebuchadnezzar was in charge of it. But if you're unaware of those dynamics and you don't really know about them and you're embracing the idea of a Christian nation, that's okay. 
you know, that, you know, I understand that and good for you, but just be advised that even there, there, in, in every evil empire, there are always Christians. In fact, count, body count by body count by body count, it would not surprise me in the slightest that there was actually more holy and righteous, Holy Spirit-filled Christians in the country of China today than there are in the United States of America today. And when you, when you realize that Christians who are lukewarm are going to be vomited out of the mouth of Jesus, when you understand the, the egregious problems with churchianity, the lukewarmness of churchianity in the United States, it might look good to you, and you might say, well, you know, the pilgrims came across, but yeah, not only did the pilgrims, you know, not only did uh, persecuted Christians come across on the ships in the early years of the establishment of the United States, but there were a lot more Masons, Jacobites, uh, you know, so when you really, truly understand the founding fathers, you truly understand what founded this country, you truly understand uh, Sir Francis Bacon and the writing of the New Atlantis, when you truly understand, uh, you know, Atlas Shrugs, when you truly get, okay, uh, what this country stands for, what, what you know, and I, I know it's easy to fall into the trap. I get it. I, I, all of my relatives, well, not all of them, but, you know, at one time all of them were a big, big part of evangelical Christianity. And, they, and many of them, they don't understand. They simply just don't. They believe with all of their heart that all sins are the same. They believe with all of their heart that um, uh, that once saved, always saved. They talk about nothing. They never talk about hell. They never talk about the penalties for sin. They never talk about any of those things, ever. There's very once in a while there's a movement of the Holy Spirit in some of the churches uh, that that I will acknowledge and that's good. I praise God. I would not expect anything less from our Father because our Father is looking out for the kingdom. Our Father is looking for the pure of heart. But if you really want to see a movement of the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to go to Africa. If you really want to see a movement of the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to go to the China Church. You need to go to the South Korean churches, okay? I'm not talking about those creepy, weird ones that were in the news. I'm, I'm talking about the normal ones. Uh, folks, I'm telling you, I have firsthand experience with a lot of this stuff over like what seems like, well, it is a lifetime for me, okay? I am going to be 60 in March, and um, I have a lifetime, truly a lifetime of being deeply integrated into the Church of the United States, and yes, we, you know, the churches do take a lot of collections. They do send a lot of ministry money over uh, to other countries. That is true. But when it comes to what Jesus said, when it comes to the prophecies of the Bible, when it comes to our Heavenly Father does not like lukewarm. He punishes lukewarm. He judges lukewarm. It doesn't matter to him if somebody put 40 bucks in the collection plate because they didn't want to be embarrassed because somebody beside him wouldn't see him putting anything in it. It doesn't mean anything to him. He's glad that people are giving money for missions work. Yes, amen, praise God. But it's what's in the heart. 
And I know it's in the heart because I sat in those seats. I know it's in those hearts. I don't know what's in every single heart, but it was estimated by some very some people that have been given powerful, mighty visions of the rapture. Now, this had to have been the barley harvest rapture because there wasn't death, destruction, mayhem, and day of the Lord um, chaos. Because the wheat harvest, which is referred to as the final harvest, that happens after the three days of darkness during the sixth seal, where it says in Revelation 6.12, the sun will turn black as sackcloth of hair. That's the three days of darkness. For 40 days after that, there will be a final harvest, which is captured in the second half of the parable storyline of Matthew 22, when God sent out other servants to go and get get the good and the bad, and they became guests at the wedding supper. But he only sent out the other servants after he sent out the first group of servants. Who are the first group of servants? Now, in all fairness, that would also include the people that evangelized Jesus in the 1100s, the 1200s, the 1600s, all over the last 2,000 years, which will be part of the dead in Christ that will raise up. And they're, they're not, it's not like they're going up in the rapture. It's not like people imagine when the dead in Christ are you know raised up first in 1 Corinthians 15, I think it is. <clears throat> they imagine that they come out of their graves and with the rest of the saints, they go flying up into the sky and become raptured. That is exactly not how it happens. Okay, praise Jesus. It's not how it happens. When the dead in Christ rise first, they rise the same way as the dead rose from the grave when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus said, you know, that he committed his, his, you know, you know, Father, I commit my soul into your hands or whatever, you know, uh, and the clap of thunder and the and the uh, temple, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, curtain over the Holy of Holies was rent and torn. And then, it, you know, you even see a little mention in there about, you know, the dead. Yeah. Even at that moment in time, dead, the dead, the holy and righteous dead rose up and walked through the streets even at that time. And that is what's going to be happening during the final harvest they're going there there's going to be a transformation people you know but there's going to be a lot of saints that are already in heaven too a lot of people that were waiting and hoping for the rapture maybe even me i don't know i'm in florida i mean when that meteor hits at the beginning of the sixth seal i'm going underwater so either i go up in the sky or i go underwater either way i end up in the same place one just a little bit more, I don't know, less bumpy of a ride. How about that? Praise God. But, yeah, it, things are – I can share with folks, and praise Jesus for this, and I am very blessed to be able to do this, but I can share with people things that were revealed to me over 11 years, thousands of guests, serial authors of multiple books, anointed prophecies, dreams, and visions to the tune of several hundred, if not thousands, um, revelations out of the Bible that align to these things, 
and prove that they're correct or essentially align enough that that the estimation would be that they're for the most part correct if not totally correct and it's it's an amazing thing to realize to to come to to, to be like wow wow the the it's not as simple as just one you know twinkling of an eye and everybody's like up in heaven that it's much bigger it's much more glorious it's much more Unbelievable. It's fantastic. There isn't a movie script writer in the world that has ever lived that could write a movie script as amazing, mind-blowing, stupefying as what is going to actually take place during those days. But most of the unrighteous will not see it. Some of them that are blessed will see some of it. And some of them that are super blessed will come to the light of those Christians that are still alive that are in their chambers for a little while, Isaiah 26, 20, go to your chambers for a little while until the indignation is passed. That word indignation is the exact same word that is used in Isaiah 13, in the beginning of Isaiah 13, where it uses the word indignation to refer to the alien invasion that God sends upon the earth to destroy the unrighteous, which is part of the day of the Lord. Interestingly, it's the same time frame. The day of the Lord is in the sixth seal. It happens at the point where that meteor hits off the coast of Puerto Rico. But the barley harvest has to triggers a series of events. That meteor causes a global earthquake, causes imagine a tsunami that's got, you know, that's thousands of feet in the air. Hitting like the state of Florida and the east coast of the United States, it was estimated by some that had seen the vision, not only that only 2% in the initial rapture, 2% of the church would leave and the rest would stay. That's a scary number, 2%. But that there would be approximately 22 million people that would die on the east coast of the United States. But that doesn't include all of the people on the on the west coast of Africa, the Canary Islands, the backwash that would occur into the Mediterranean. This is a meteor. The entire planet is going to shake. It is going to be destruction and mayhem on a level, it will seem like an extinction level event. In fact, to many, it will be an extinction level event. So in Revelation 6, 12 and 13, it is absolutely jam-packed with a meteor hitting, a global earthquake, mega tsunamis worldwide. All the power grids are going to go down. No television, no communications. You can believe that. Be totally wiped out. There might be pockets, but very few. You've got uh, the sun turns black as sackcloth of hair. That's three days of darkness. You've got 40 days after that where the saints are... I they. They transform. So when we go into our chambers for a little while, see, when the three days of darkness is taking place, there's an, there's our Heavenly Father sends beings that work for him. He calls them his mighty ones. He commands them to come to the earth to, to levy judgment upon the unrighteous. But we are, during the three days of darkness, if we're still alive, we would stay inside of our chambers, e.g. our houses or our dwelling places, close all the doors, close all of the windows, and we'd be in a state of prayer. There will be glory light. 
for those that are here during that period, they would be part of the wheat harvest. It might be us. We don't know. Or, or we might, you know, perish and go to heaven during, you know, the meteor tsunami. We don't know. But if we are alive and we are here for the 40-day the final harvest after the three days of darkness, we will be transformed. We will become light beings. Now, we may not be fully transformed. I don't really know. We will be transformed. And, um, and uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to try to find and play for you, but I don't know if I can because I have to have it queued up. Praise God. I'm going to see if I can find it. Um, let's see here. Um, I'll try looking up. Oh, no, no. Nope. I may not be able to find it. Let's just see what I found up. Okay. Praise God. All right. Um, yeah, I, I don't have my, uh, prophecy, um, show notes available. I, I mean, I could pull them up and I could hunt through them, but there's a really wonderful testimony of a lady, I believe her name is Susan, but she saw that when we are in our chambers for a little while, e.g. in our houses, that there was glory light. She even said it was like the most beautiful family Christmas she had ever seen, the sparkling and the light and the glory light that was around, and the, her whole house was full of angels. And the ecstasy the presence and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is how it was in our house until the forty you know, until the uh, three days of darkness were over. And then she noticed she noted that they were transformed and they were light beings. They became light beings, which is what we are anyway. We're just trapped in flesh bodies right now. And they went out into the streets and she saw that many came running to them to be saved. To, to to go to Jesus. Many came running to them, but also as many ran, or even maybe even more ran away from them and were fearful of them. Um, and uh, but that is the final harvest. I, I keep on looking for it. I wonder if I can find it. I'm going to just take a shot here. Praise God. Just feeling led. Show notes, show notes, references. This would be in the prophecy notes. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's see if I can find it. I might not be able to, and that's okay. I'm not going to get all worked up about all that kind of stuff, but it is kind of cool if I can't find it. Okay, here's the prophecies collection. Oh, goodness gracious, that's a lot. Oh, my gosh, 1,325 pages. I wonder if I'm going to be able to find it. Oh, my. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. But anyway, I don't want to waste too much time talking about that. So I'm just going to, I shared with you the nuts and bolts of it. But anyway, then you've got in the sixth seal during the day of the Lord, you've got the, um, uh, the, the sky rolls up like a scroll. Well, that there, again, is the global thermonuclear war. Okay, this, so the only thing that makes us, and then we also have scriptures, um, uh, for example, it's, it's confirmed again in other places in the Bible, uh, where, uh, hold on a second, I can find the scripture for you real quick, uh, where it says melting of the elements, Bible, hold on, yeah, Second Peter 3.10, 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Second Peter 3.10. Praise God. But the day of the Lord, now check it out. So right here, you right away, without, without even a wink of an eye, without even a second thought, without even, that's the most beautiful thing of it. It's the synergy. The synergy. The harmony. That's how you know that the Lord is talking to you. That is how you know that you are hearing, you are understanding the scripture very well at that moment. When you have that harmony, that synergy, so here you have in Second Peter 3.10, what were we just talking about? We were just talking about the day of the Lord, right? Okay. Well, listen, what does Second Peter 3.10 have to say about the day of the Lord? It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So people won't see it coming, but we already know that because it will be given and taking in marriage. And, you know, one will be in bed and the other will be taken. One will be working in the field, et cetera, and the other, you know, kind of thing. All right. So it will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Now, what's one of the first things that happens when a nuclear bomb goes off? There's a the ma- the magnitude of the no- of the of the clap of thunder that occurs at that moment in time hopefully you're not looking at the light cuz you'll go blind the um it that's a nuclear bomb so it says the heavens will pass away with a great noise now why would it suggest that the heavens will pass away because from the viewpoint of the earth when you're looking up into the sky what are you looking into as far as the bible is concerned you're looking into the heavens Well, they're going to disappear because there's going to be a nuclear explosion. It's going to be global thermonuclear, you know, thermonuclear in nature, which is it makes Hiroshima and Nagasaki look like somebody with a uh, with a, you know, firework. The the stuff that they that's going to happen later. It's really bad. Hundreds and hundreds of times more powerful. But what does it say in Second Peter 3.10, right after that, after the great noise? It says, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works in it will be burned up. Now then, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there is only one thing. There's only one thing that can melt an element. And I'm talking about the periodic table, the scientific periodic table, which has you know, the listing of the elements. Okay, elements cannot be melted. Okay, they are the fundamental building blocks of all other things on earth. All atoms, all materials, you know, liquid, gas, you name it. The elements make up everything else. But you can't melt them with the exception of one thing. A nuclear fissile reaction. At that moment in time, the actual elements will melt. Rock can be turned into glass, which is why in um, Mohenjo-Daro in Pakistan, in that dig, that archaeological dig, which uh, dates back way back, thousands of years before Jesus, they found glass in the rock. It wasn't like the glass was melted into the rock. It was, the, it was clearly a nuclear reaction. They know these things because they know what they found on the ground at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This is talking about a nuclear 
a wide-scale, global, probably in nature, global thermonuclear war. By the way, we have had Michael Mullins on the program. I'd like to get him back on. And um, and I'm going to make myself a note to see if we can. Hold on. Because if I don't pass this along, praise Jesus to Sister Nancy. It just won't happen. There's too much going on and very hard to keep up with it all. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Michael Mullins. All right. Pass to Sister Nancy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Michael Mullins was on the show. And Michael Mullins saw, he was shown, the, he was taken there. He was taken into the future. He was taken into the throne room of God. And he actually saw the Lord Jesus directing the nuclear missiles. I know, it seems hard to believe, right? But yeah, he saw it. Because remember, these are judgments that are coming from God. And, the, and that becomes abundantly clear when you study Zechariah. One of the key... Uh, chapters is chapter 5, which in fact is actually talking about a nuclear missile. There are those who have appropriately and correctly translated the words that are in Zechariah chapter 5, uh, talking about this flying scroll. It's not a flying scroll. It's actually a metaphorical description of a, an intercontinental ballistic missile, a nuclear missile. All right, so anyway, um, we know that um, the destruction of the United States is and also 60% of Russia. See, we did, I didn't know until Michael Mullins explained that on the program that over 60% of Russia was also destroyed. Now, do you think that there were other countries in Europe that were also destroyed? Surely. But for whatever reason, the Bible and our Heavenly Father has chosen the superpowers, China, Russia, the United States, and of course Israel, to become front and center from a prophetic standpoint in the Holy Bible on the things that are going to happen during the judgments. It, but it has, it doesn't mean any other country gets a hall pass. I've had that question given to me so many times I can't even count. So you've got the sky. In Revelation chapter 6, 12, 13, 14, you've got the sky rolling up like a scroll. That's a nuclear bomb. It aligns with all the other scriptures and all the other, you know, it's all there. You have to piece it together. You have to know where all the references to the day of the Lord are. But, but And then you have the stars falling from the sky like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. Well, the word star to those who have been doing, who have spent any time interpreting the Bible, uh, it's, a, it's well known that the term star is very frequently used as a metaphor for an angel. However, in this case, they're falling from a sky like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind because at that moment in time, the fallen angels will be sent down to the earth. Okay, that aligns with the dragon being cast cast out of heaven, out of the heavens with his angels, in Revelation chapter twelve. It all lines up. It all has perfect harmony. It all makes total sense. It's all talking about the same events. And the reason I brought all of this up is to try to amplify in the hearts of those who seek to understand what's what's before us. 
and align it with the scripture, if that's something that you that is dear to your heart and you want to kind of like get it, then I'm trying to help put together the mysteries that the Lord has revealed to me. Uh, the understanding that Revelation 18, which is the destruction of the United States by nuclear missiles by fire, occurs in the, in, in, during the day of the Lord, which happens in Revelation chapter 6. And we have multiple confirmations of that. Revelation 8.23 says, And the bride and the bridegroom will be heard in her no more. Well, we already know that the bride and the bridegroom have left the earth prior to the end of the sixth seal because Revelation 6 17 says, and the day of the Lord has come, and who is able to stand? I'm sorry, the day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, Paul says in his epistle, anointed by the Holy Spirit, he says, God has not appointed us, the saints, the bride of Jesus, to his wrath. You take 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, God has not appointed us to wrath. You put it right beside Revelation chapter 6, which is talking about the day of the Lord, and the very last verse of the day of the Lord, which is, and the day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? We know that that is the marker in the sand. That is the line in Revelation, where the bride of Jesus Christ, whether it be the barley harvest, the wheat harvest, or a combination of both, has been evacuated off of the earth by that point. It's an absolute undeniable fact, which again further supports the fact that Revelation 18 and the destruction of the United States occurs during the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6 through 17. And, and the hint about that, again, is the sky rolling up as a scroll. <coughs> Praise God. So why is this all relevant? It's all relevant to help you understand the magnitude of the destruction that's why the barley harvest is a concept that is vitally important for us to be able to embrace. Do we know if we're going to make it? No, we don't. And I don't want to be guilty. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be guilty of presumptuous and praise Jesus. So we pray, we hope, we want to be part of that barley harvest, but we also want to be productive. And you can be incredibly productive through prayer. Incredibly productive through prayer. Pray, like I read all the time on this prayer vigil, it is God's ordained method for bringing heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. And that, by the way, is fervently supported uh, uh, by Isaiah 20, 40, 43, verse 25, where our Heavenly Father says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions, that's your sins and your iniquity. I, he blots them out, and he says, I will not remember your sin. Keep me in remembrance, and let us contend, let us work together. How? In prayer. God isn't going to pick up a shovel and help you dig holes for your hibiscus plants. It's about prayer. That's what this prayer vigil, this prayer vigil is not only intended to be, it's intended to be all things, holy, righteous, instructional, but ultimately to help those who want 
more than just a radio show that talks about the headlines, uh, that brings on, you know, an assortment of guests, which is wonderful. Uh, but, but one, you want, you know, if you want a deeper understanding of the mysteries of the Bible, which, by the way, is in the write-up of the prayer vigil and communion service, the actual write-up of this show, touching upon the mysteries of the Bible, etc., then this is what we that this is what the, this is the whole purpose of this program. But the primary purpose, the primary purpose is is to enable. The primary purpose is because I have been beaten so badly by Satan and his demonic entities. And I can't even think of a reason why the Lord would have allowed it, other than just refining and teaching and changing me. Although I might have misstepped here or there and opened a portal or a door. Who knows? I don't know. Nobody's perfect. But by virtue of me going through the things that I went through between the middle of 2017 and pretty much the end of 2018, which is horrific, horrific. I, I've told people without giving out every teeny weeny little detail. I've told like my sisters, for example, I told them what happened. They said they couldn't believe it, how they were amazed that I, had sanity left after I went through it. Their implication via their response was so much shock that they couldn't voice how they felt about it. It was just like, it was like, oh no, I cannot believe that actually happened to you kind of a thing. It was like, it was beyond words. And that was important for me to go through. It was important for me to go through in a lot of ways. Matter of fact, it might have saved. It might have, it wouldn't have been about saving my soul per se, I don't think, as much as it would likely have been about giving me a better chance of doing a better job in helping people, instilling humility in people, helping them to understand why they're going through the awful things they're going through instilling upon people humility that comes as a result of the refiner's fire. And, hey, listen, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to use common vernacular. Being taken by our Heavenly Father behind the barn and being given a darn good whooping. Call it chastening. Call it testing. Call it refining. Give it a name, whatever you want to call it. But I'm telling you, it was pretty horrible to go through. But I had to go through it. And it made me look again at the Bible. It made me look a second time at the word contrite. It made me find the verse uh, that that uh, it, God don't let me be found guilty of presumptuous sins that are, you know, particularly egregious against thee, you know, that I might be found worthy. That word presumptuous uh, it only is found one place in the entire Bible. If you do a, a concordance search, an electronic concordance search on a New King James Bible or an Amplified, you'll find that word once. So this notion out there that um, you know, through, through the you know, let it you know, every word be established through the mouth of two or three witnesses. That to, to, that that notion that theologians embrace that suggests that you've got to have two or three scriptures to you know. 
There's only one place where the word presumptuous exists, depending on the translation, the New King James and the Amplified. I, I primarily study with the New King James, but I use other, 22 other, trans, well, primarily a handful, let's just put it that way, to verify and to look at different translations because some of them are more anointed, anointed in certain areas. But anyway, praise God. So I want, it was important to me, thank you, Jesus, to amplify, to magnify this, the horror the destruction, the chaos, the mayhem, the absence of an electrical grid, the absence of televisions, the absence of any form of radio, just absolute horrific destruction on a level that the world, we really just don't understand how horrible the day of the Lord is actually going to become. And there's and there are people out there. They're like, well, the missiles come down and we go up. The missiles come down and we go up. You know what? Guess what, buddy? Or whoever you are that's saying that. I'm not disputing that. But I am saying you're going to be unbelievably... You could say you'd be lucky to be alive, or you could say you would be most unfortunate to be alive at that time. And the assumption that you were going to be in a place where you're untouched by that level of devastation, including global thermonuclear war, pretty big assumption. You got to get past the meteor. You got to get past the mega tsunamis. You got to get past the global earthquake. You've got to get past the, ro the roving gangs, raping, pillaging, destroying, breaking into houses, uh, into Christian houses, by the way. Okay, Not, except except for the ones who are praying, the ones that are, you know, defending their property. They're they're goners, and if they make it into heaven, good. If they don't, I wouldn't be surprised because you don't shoot your way into heaven, period. But I don't want to be here for the day of the Lord. I don't know if you want to be here for the day of the Lord, but I do not want to be here for the day of the Lord. And that's the only way you're going to be here if you survive is if you stay inside your house during the three days of darkness while the alien beings that our Heavenly Father sends upon the earth to wipe out. They chop children into pieces, folks. How many Christians out there are going, oh, there's going to be a rapture of the innocents? No, there's not. No, there is not. It's a lie from the devil. It comes from a good, it always comes from a woman who's almost certainly going to be a mother, and she will go out and twist the words in the Bible because she feels that that's what God would do. But there isn't one. There just isn't. And they, they will twist the words. I've had the conversations. I have studied the Greek and the, and the Hebrew, and it is a twist. It is an intentional alteration of the intended meaning of the word, in one place that, that is just contrary to dozens of other places in the Scripture, including Second – I'm not going to get into it. I could, I could quote Scriptures until I'm blue in the face about how wrong that notion is. That is a wrongful notion. It is incorrect. This is important for us to know because there are a lot of believers out there that just make the assumption the missiles come down. We go up, but they don't put it in any kind of an event-based, end-times, horrific context. They don't 
realize that there are Holy Spirit-filled, tongue-speaking Christians that were on the east coast of the United States that got wiped out by that tsunami and are in heaven with God. They just assume they're going to be all fine and dandy, and they're going to nuclear bombs and you know and all that. They, they, they you know they don't. There's no context. They don't get it. They don't read. They don't even realize it's the day of the Lord. They don't even realize it. And when you hear the visions and the reason again, so you wrap that all, everything that I just said regarding the day of the Lord, wrap it all into a package. Praise Jesus. Just grab it, put it into a package, and just set it on the desk. Day of the Lord, six seal, global thermonuclear war, three days of darkness, alien invasion, children chopped into pieces, wives ravaged, stay in your chambers for a little while until the indignation is passed. Put it there in a package on your desk or on your table right there in front of you. Okay? Now then, let's review. What that means is that every other vision of the rapture, the one which I referred to where I think it was Dr. David O'Rourke was one of them. Um, uh, there were um, others. I don't remember them all. One, I, the name of, one of their names, I believe, was Benjamin. But this was about 10 years ago. Um, but there's many. And they saw they were standing in the church. This is where the Lord took them. They took them into a church. And everybody was praising God and worshiping, singing hallelujah, hands in the air, speaking in tongues, all that. Just hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Wham! Rapture occurs. 2%. 2%. So if there were 300 people in the congregation, which is not uncommon for a lot of churches in the United States, that would be what? Six people? <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? That would mean that the rest, the other, you know, 293 that were still there, would be, they would be on earth into the sixth seal, into the day of the Lord. They would be here for the hitting of the meteor. They would be here for the alien invasion. They would be here for the three days of darkness. They would be here and possibly removed right before the missiles hit. Hopefully participating in the 40 days of the final harvest. Or dead because of the mayhem and the shaking of the earth and the meteor and everything else. And how many of those Christians have guns in their house? They're not leaving for the rapture if they do. They're just not. They're not going to go. They will stay for refinement. It's only the true saints that understand the meaning of the words in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, where, where it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That understands that our weaponry is spiritual. And that we would never hurt a fly, that we would carry our cross to our death. We wouldn't so much as the Lord. I 
I, after I was demonically attacked and all the police were in, my front, in the front yard of my house and all that stuff happened, I went through a period of nervousness, fear. What if she comes back? What if it happens again? So I went and I bought a $38 uh, grizzly bear pepper spray. It, sure, it shoots like 40 feet. It'll take out 12 people, no problem. I also bought some of the most powerful um, uh, stun guns you can, that money can buy. I didn't get the taser ones. Those are out of my praise range, but I got the really good stuff. And I mounted them to the right of the front door, which is a steel door. And I've got security cameras all around the house and all that. The point is, the Lord told me, get rid of them. These were never used. These things were just right out of the package. Brand new. Expensive. And I had them rode up. They each had a nail right beside the right they were right there at the front door of the house because I got privacy fence that blocks people from easily being able to come around through the back. They could if they're ninjas, but I'm just saying, it's unlikely. And God told me, get rid of them. The moment that you put your faith into that and not God, you now have established an idol over the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That automatically disqualifies you to be part of the barley harvest. Automatically. And even if you're a hunter, I'd recommend getting rid of the guns. Because you don't want the temptation to be there. Because if your heart... Even if that cabinet of rifles... And, not, and I'm a United States Navy marksman. I shot, I'm, I can, I'm amazing. <laughs> Even if I do say so myself, I'm an amazing marksman. And I used to shoot a lot. Sports, you know, that kind of thing. But even if they're, they're only for hunting, I would not want that temptation in my house. And I can, I, because if your heart, even for a split second, thinks about those weapons when there are roving bands of marauders heading toward your house. Black Lives Matter, people setting fire to your neighboring houses, walking directly toward your house. And you think in your head, hey, I got that .30-06 in the cabinet. You're done. They're coming inside your house. They're going to burn it to the ground. You will lose your divine protection at that point. That's how it works. You don't have to believe me. Go ahead and do whatever you want to. But you'll remember. You'll remember if you don't take my advice now. And it'll be a very unhappy day for you. I cannot more powerfully recommend that you do take the time to listen to blogtalkradio.com forward slash tribulation dash now. Hit enter in a browser and look for the featured show. It says no guns, not even in self-defense. Listen to that teaching. It took the Lord years to reveal all that to me. I have called well-known pastors on the phone. 
I have called well-known prophets on the phone when they screwed up horribly. And they did. And they wouldn't listen to me. And that's what's known as iniquity. And that's between them and God. And believe me, they will be very sorry. Very sorry. Now, all that needed to be said because it sets the understanding, it sets the baseline for the barley harvest. Every other vision, including the ones of the 2% being raptured out of the church congregations, of the rapture that happened when things were normal, when the lights were on, when cars were driving, when TV stations were working, when all that. Those were all visions of the barley harvest. Because there won't be lights on for the final harvest during the day of the Lord. You see what I'm saying? So every other prophecy, dream, or vision given to God's people of the rapture over hundreds of years of time, when things are essentially pretty normal on the earth, one will be working in the field and the other taken. One will be sleeping in the bed and the other taken. Okay, that is the barley harvest. Because ain't nobody going to be working in no field. After or during the day of the Lord. That's why I took the time to explain the magnitude of the horror that will be on the earth at the time of the day of the Lord. When you get that, then you know that you know that you know that all the other visions, all the other dreams, all the other things that God has shown us about the rapture is the 2%. And again, Sori Park, I've mentioned this bunches of times, was taken to heaven, talked to Jesus, and Jesus told him that, that NASA would come on TV and tell everybody that the aliens took the people, which is why the Sergier, um, the, uh, the Sergier um, uh, uh, testimony about Project Bluebeam, I believe, is a counterintelligence. It's counterintel. It's to convince the people who don't believe in the rapture that the story of the aliens taking them is true. Everybody loves to talk about the fake rapture. Everybody loves to talk about Project Bluebeam. But nobody ever considers that Project Bluebeam is probably fake and satanic, and it will, in fact, actually be the real rapture. When David Doetry was shown by God the real rapture standing in his backyard in Sun City Center, Florida, an hour south of me, in the middle of the night, which, by the way, won't exist during the sixth seal, so we know it has to be the barley harvest. He saw blue beams of light shooting up in the sky. They were the saints. I could name names of a lot of people that are well-known Christians that would go, that's Project Blue Beam. They have it all over their websites. No, it's not. But that's exactly how Satan works. So... 
when I talk about the barley harvest, the, important of, the importance of making the barley harvest, understanding that the barley harvest almost abs- – I would be willing – I mean, I, I know this is a colloquialism, and I don't mean it literally, but I'd be willing to bet, big bucks, that it happens before the beginning of World War III. Now, there could be some guns going off and some missiles here and there and, you know, maybe even some ground-based nukes. Who knows? I don't know. But before World War III goes full bore, the barley harvest will be gone. I believe that with, with all of my heart because when Doetry and Augusto Perez, and the different people that saw the spherical spaceship in the sky, which is depicted at the Vatican, the United Nations, and many other places across the world as a copper ball. It's like a death star. It's a sculpture, and it's all over the world. And that's because that's the arrival of them. It is the arrival of their gods. Their Anunnaki gods. And they can't wait. It's associated with the closeness of Nibiru. That all comes together and kicks off. It initiates about three weeks after the appearance of this big copper-looking Death Star sphere-shaped gigantic spaceship that's going to be on TV all over the world. Oh, TV. Well, there we know. It's the barley harvest. And NASA's going to blame that event on taking the people. But it ain't going to be true. This event... Is the, this description and depiction uh, of these events that is extremely advanced understanding is probably only embraced or known by less than 10 people in the entire world of 8 billion people. Praise God. And I'm glad I'm one of them. And... Um, but it is, it's vitally important to get everything into perspective so we know what it is we're shooting for. What is our goal? Is your goal to suffer horribly and maybe make it into your chambers? Maybe still live through it? You know, what, how much of this ugly do you want to be a part of? Why is it that Jesus commands us in Luke twenty-one thirty-six to pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before me? Why is there scripture in the Old Testament that basically says, who in their right mind would want to be here during the day of the Lord? I wish I could quote you the scripture, but it's there. But there's a lot of Christians out there that don't get it, and they're like, you know, they're like aspiring to be here for that. Now, I wanted to share that all with you because that is our imminent hope. And it also sets the table for a deeper understanding of what our purpose is here and how it is that we can further qualify a little better, a little better. I'm not saying you're going to get some kind of a Willy Wonka golden ticket to the barley harvest. No, 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 no. No way. 
but I am here to help raise up an army of believers that transcend churchianity, that aren't going to be behind, you know, while the six people in their 300-person congregation leave. There's plenty of foolish virgins. My uh, my aspiration, my hope, my I believe my mission as flawed as I am. The reason why God peppered me for about the better part of, I think it was like three months, give or take, because I kept going back and forth with him, telling him I didn't want to do the prayer vigil. It was like it was so strange. It was a very unusual part of my walk over all these years. And then I finally gave in and started to do it. But so when I take the time to explain all this stuff, the details, as gruesome as some of them are, it's important. Because if you don't get it, you won't see the folly and the ignorance of our fellow believers that are out on YouTube and Facebook saying things like, I can't wait to partake in the final harvest. They're actually, it's like, because they don't understand. They just don't understand. It's not an act of nobility on their part. It's an act of ignorance. We should always, God would have it no other way that we would aspire to do everything most holy, most righteous, most representative of our Lord Jesus Christ. Greater works than these shall we do because our King has gone unto the Father. That is who we aspire to be, to break down, to destroy the works of the devil. And, and, you, and you might say, well, gee whiz, you know, I mean, you know, Johnny, uh, you know, the parable of the talents and rewards, you know, people seem to think that, you know, oh, it's works-based salvation. Why did Jesus put the parable of the talents and rewards immediately after the wise and foolish virgins because they go hand in hand if you're not doing if your prayer life is not destroying the works of the devil if you are not taking the things that I share on this program seriously if you're not making your prayer life a ministry you are missing you're missing and I couldn't be happier. I truly could take no greater joy than to know that a few, even if it's a small number, mimicked, took notes, and are praying and taking the battle to the enemy. Hopefully I've rubbed off on a few, and it's making the devil's life very difficult. And there are a lot of people being saved on account of it. And that, of course, would make the devil's life very, very difficult, because that's completely contrary to his goals. That is the war that we are in. And oh, by the way, I can tell you as a fact that life does not get easier when you practice what I am preaching. It gets harder. However, if you push through, if you push through and you keep on keeping on, 
you you might get knocked down. You might go through a two or three month period of like I'm not even going to pray. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been through it all. Now I I never got to that point where I just totally didn't pray, but you know I I have. I get up very early and I do a lot of prayer and it's very sincere and I take communion and I light a candle and I use the golden bowl of forgiveness and I pray very much like I do on this radio show. I get on my knees, I anoint myself with oil, all the things that we regularly do on this program is a part of my every single morning almost. Take one morning off sometimes. If I, it just depends. Once I even took two, 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 a couple days off. That didn't mean I didn't pray. I just didn't do all the stuff. But anyway, the point I'm trying to help you understand is the wise and foolish virgins, the barley harvest. Look, all things considered, what good are you going to do if you get a megaphone and a permit and go down on 5th and Main Street and start telling everybody that they're going to go to hell? How many souls do you think you're going to save? Now, contrast that to how many souls you will save if you actually believe that everything that you are praying for is happening in the spiritual realm, which, by the way, it is. I have had conversations, I'm here to tell you as a fact, that I have had conversations with people who have been taken into the astral projection, you know, spiritual realm, which is also referred to as the Bible as the air, which is a stinking, horrific, evil, dark, and it really does. It smells so bad that the angels don't even want to go through it. It was the, it was the area that the Prince of Persia in the book of Daniel in 9 and 10 uh, uh, you know, uh, attacked the angel that was bringing Daniel's gift, his, his answer to his prayers. That's the air. It's like this stinking, stench-filled, demonic, um, think of the earth like a molded milk ball. It's like the chocolate coating. And the, and the angels have to go through it. That's why when I pray, I say, in the name of Jesus, I part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move freely. Because I know the angels hate it. And I don't want any of them to be hindered. I don't want them to be attacked by the demons. I want to, look, think about it. Look at, war, we're doing spiritual warfare. Do you understand how earthly warfare works? Do you know what an airstrike is? Do they send the Marines in until the airstrike happens? No. First, there's an airstrike that's brought in to scamper the, the enemy and scatter them in all directions and send them directly into their foxholes so that it gives an advantage to the to the to the land incursion. So when the Marines land, they go in and they don't have as much of a resistance because there were mortar shells, there was bombings taking place and there was air support that was dropped and that's what I do. These are normal war tactics that happen on the earth and have been happening for hundreds if not thousands of years and simply translated over to the spiritual realm. So when I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus and by his blood, I declare fire swords of cherubim to be shot down into the spiritual realm to, to, you know, to cut you into pieces. I decree the holy fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar, which is a large pillar of spinning holy fire that's in the throne room of God, to be launched down to burn them in a horrific and screaming agony. We have power over that fire. By virtue of 
the fact that we are praying out of faith. For blessed is he who believes and has not seen. And I found this out from someone who was taken into this astral realm, into the spiritual realm, and physically saw and witnessed the stuff that you see in Daniel 9 and 10. Saw the, the principalities and the powers fighting with God's angels. Was looking right at it. And they could see the fire. They could see the salvos. They could see the the godly weaponry coming against the enemy, even as the angels fought. And it was coming as a result of the prayers of the saints. Our prayers, when we call down the holy fire of God, I had somebody from Australia one time, uh, you know, going like, um, "What do you mean sever? You know, you sever the heads with of, of the of the you know, I sever your heads with the sword of the spirit." I used to say all the time, which I still do. And he was like, "What do you mean saying that? That seems kind of silly." And I'm it's like, "Because you're not operating in the spirit. You're not understanding what's going on in the air, in the spiritual realm. You don't realize that what you're saying is actually happening. And you know, one of the reasons, one of the ways that you'll know better than anything, but I've had very humongous blessings and people from other parts of the world that saw things around my house. They saw the holy fire. They saw the angels. And I never even told them that that's how I was praying. They just told me out of clear blue sky. They were like, hey, hey, you know what? I see a fire of God around your house. I see two huge angels standing at the door. And I started crying because I never told anybody. It's real. It's more real than you could ever believe. And if you don't think you're going to be rewarded, if you don't think that qualifies for the parable of the talents and rewards, which is uttered immediately after the wise and fullest virgins, where Jesus is saying, these are connected. If you're not doing works on behalf of my kingdom and destroying the works of the devil with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in which I have given you, then don't plan on leaving early. Just plan on hanging out. And I don't plan on hanging out. And I don't plan on failing at communicating these requirements to the people that God has led in whatever manner to listen to even the smallest part of this program or anything else I see on any other show. I don't do this for any reason except that I couldn't live with myself if I didn't, and that I know that the Lord wants me to. And I praise him for the blessings and the divine protection that he has given me that I don't deserve, even though, you know, all the things I went through, which is amazing. But then, of course, that also amplifies my obligation even more. Because when you read what it says in Luke 12, verses 47 and 48, it says, That servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will, do it, shall be beaten with many stripes. Now, I don't know about you, but that don't sound so good. 
And if it has to do with heavenly rewards and, you know, the gains and losses, merits and demerits, 1 Corinthians 3, 14 and 15, your works will be tested of what sort they are by fire. He, and he will receive a reward or a loss. That's what this is referring to. It's the synergy. It's the harmony. It's all the same thing. Verse 48, but and again, it gets even more ominous. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. So the people in the church that are part of the foolish virgins are not going to be losing rewards in heaven for their ignorance. But they're going to have to go through a lot more hell on earth. And they're not going to be given the opportunity to earn more rewards either because of their ignorance. Because they probably don't even understand heavenly rewards and inheritance at all. Because the church doesn't teach them that. Then it says, and it ends it with the most ominous uh, sentences of all. It says, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask all the more. Now, which category do you think I fall into? Which category do you think that you fall into? If you stumbled across this podcast and you were like, oh, i got to keep on listening to this. This guy sounds weird. Guess what? You just got recruited to the last part of that verse. For everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. Oh, but I don't really believe it yet. I haven't found it in the Bible. I'm trying to be a good Berean. I'm just letting you know. It's the, the, the magnitude of the importance, the significance of this understanding is so, it's inexpressible. And it matches everything. It matches Jesus in the report cards of the seven churches in, in Revelation chapter 2 at the end where he talks about the church of Laodicea. I would wish that you would be either hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I shall vomit you out of my mouth. Well, that's what it means when it says in that servant that knew his, that knew his master's will, but did not prepare himself or do according to the will shall be beaten with many stripes. How many times have somebody sat in churchianity in the United States of Babylon the Great and heard a sermon, which are mostly pathetic anyways, and never actually did what they were being instructed to do via that sermon? Said, hallelujah! Put 40 bucks in the collection plate, gave some people some hugs, told some stories, went home. This is serious. God takes this stuff unbelievably serious. All right? Now then, now that I got that to the side and I, and I shared that with you, I'm going to share also um, a little bit more about where, where this all came from and, and, and led to. All right? When you need to know this, when you dis make the decision to take this seriously, like I pray that you do, maybe even go back and listen to some prior prayer vigils and listen to the, the prayer tactics, the war tactics that are employed 
to pray for the people of the world and the lost of the world, and us, and also to bring the holy fire of God against the demons of darkness, to get maximum protection. Okay? Now, when you make that choice, this is very important to understand. I got a uh, communication from somebody over in Europe. I'm just going to leave it at that. But it led to this discussion. This person texted me and said that they, and it's, it's not the first time, but it merits stating it, and said that they were under extreme heavy attack. And then, you know, there were, you know, examples given to me and all that kind of stuff and yada, yada, yada. But to me, it's like kind of yada, 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 because I've been doing this for like forever. Okay. And I just said, yes, that's right. That's exactly how it works. So that means that you are doing, see, when, when you're not doing what I'm recommending and have been recommending and teaching people to do on this program for years, okay, tactically with examples, with explanations, with backing scripture, with backing testimony, and all of the above. When you decide to start doing that, you are being turned into a weapon against the devil that he cannot have. The worst thing for Satan is for a saint of the Lord Jesus Christ, someone who takes the Bible seriously, really seriously, and not what they hear at church at face value. That is the worst, most horrific moment in Satan's experience. He does not want us to know who we are. That is a worst-case scenario. When, he, when we realize that we have the authority as a royal priesthood to operate with the power of the Godhead, that is his worst nightmare. So what's going to happen to you when you start to practice these things? You are going to come under heavy attack. Your family is going to say exceedingly mean things to you. They might even report you to the police for being some sort of a whack, wacko handing out ivermectin or something like that. So watch your step. Watch what you say. Keep your tater trap shut. But I'm lonely. Too bad. You can take my advice or you can suffer. I speak from experience. I assure you. Now, you're going to get hit. You have become a threat. It is like um, Israel with Iran and their nuclear centrifuges. Let's just assume that Iran is serious, Bennett and Netanyahu were serious, and they cannot allow Iran to get a nuclear weapon. And they will do anything they have to do to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. That is exactly what happens when you wake up and figure out who you are. That's Satan's worst 
fear, just like a nuclear weapon in the hands of the mullahs over in Iran is Israel's worst fear. At that moment, Satan is going to launch a nuclear attack against you. You might lose your job. You could be attacked in so many different ways, it's unbelievable. Your car might catch fire on the highway. A truck might jump over the guardrail and almost hit you. And God's angels are going to protect you. Don't get me wrong, but it ain't going to be a pretty day, and you're going to have a lot of collateral damage. Be advised. I'm living proof of all of this. Even more so because I'm the absolute worst case scenario for saying because I teach other people to do it. So the target that's on my back is like a beacon that can be seen from Andromeda. I guarantee you Satan wants me dead. I have absolute proof of it over and over again. And it's a miracle of Jesus Christ and his angels and the mercy of God that I'm still alive. Because believe me, I have not walked this walk gracefully. I have made tons of mistakes that should have given Satan the right to completely wipe me out and be killed. I've been called by well-known prophets on the phone at night. I have to call you because the Lord told me that Satan's trying to give you a heart attack. And I said to that prophet, well known, all across the East Coast, big ministry, big following. And I said to that prophet, let him try. I didn't even so much have angina or a twinge. But I should be dead. Now, be prepared for that. Also in concert with what this person texted me about this morning, once I explained that to her, she explained back to me that that made sense. Now she understood. So that empowered her. I also explained to her that you have to think of these attacks as German cockroaches or bedbugs. Those are the two worst bugs that you might have to deal with as a homeowner or an apartment dweller or a flat dweller, depending on what country you're in. They're very hard to get rid of. And so are these demons, particularly when you are being groomed to be public enemy number one. Satan needs that like he needs a hole in his head. His primary mission, his prime directive, is to keep us from figuring out who we are and the power that we have. Prime directive. And so he's going to send all of his demons, he's going to throw the whole kitchen sink at you. And it might last a while. Last a while. And you're like, oh man. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to name the name of this person, but he was extremely well-known. He's been on Jim Baker's show, um, written many books, traveled all over the world as a, as a missionary and evangelist and everything. And I could name his name. You would definitely recognize it, and you probably really like him. He was a very likable guy, but he was wrong on this particular topic. He told people he preached this. And the explanation he uses is that I know this is right. This is what he told people. I know that this is right 
Because when I told the pastors that I was counseling to stop doing it, their lives went back to normal. So he believed that his counsel was holy. His counsel was deceived. The way you know that you are appropriately and adequately attacking and destroying the works of the devil is when you come under attack. So this particular well-known teacher, preacher guy was wrong. Yes, the pastors that he told to stop going after the second-order demons. Yes, when they stopped going after the second-order demons, you can believe that their lives turned back to normal. Normal doesn't necessarily mean you're going to heaven. As they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I had some lady that was listening to the show, and she was very nice, and I won't mention her name, but she was like, well, so-and-so preaches it. You're not supposed to go again. And I said, I don't care what he says. He's wrong. And she took extreme offense. I never heard from her again. (laughs) Never heard from her again. She used to rape me all the time. But no, for me to go against her precious so-and-so, that was like unacceptable. The fact of the matter is this is a normal process in the kingdom of God. When you become public enemy number one, you're going to go through some ugly. It is, it's like putting a bayonet on your spiritual rifle, charging across the field while all the other Christians are hiding in their foxhole, jumping into the enemy camp full of Nazi leaders and, and taking them all out. You're taking out the leadership. We wrestle, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, spirituals to wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places. Those are the second order demons. Now, we, we, we also deal with the subordinate demons, too, the ones that are inside of people on the earth and such. But we go after the, we go after the prince of Persia. Why wouldn't we? Of course we would. That's how we lay down our air support. They're in the air. You got to lay down the air support. You got to call down the fire of God. You got to call down the uh, the uh, uh, you know fire swords of cherubim that were used by the uh, cherubim at the gates of uh, Eden. You got to call them down. That's your air support. You're taking out the, the the command center. Don't you see the spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places? That's the command center for that particular part of the world that you're praying over. You want to take out the command center. You want to take it out with air support. You want to send in the troops, the strong troops, the archangels, the, uh, you know, you want to send them in to clean up the mess. And then you go back after the demon, the subordinate demons that are hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost that you're praying for. And this goes for when you're praying for your kids. When you're praying for a third party, the devil has a right, the demons have a right to go back. They have a right, a legal right, to return to the house from which they came. So this is something that is repeated by us over and over. We don't win the war. You take casualties when you're in war. 
It's not always pretty. Now, I wanted to give you the the hope piece of this. Yes, it will be a battle. Yes, you will have things go wrong in your life. Yes, your inclination will be because there will be demons whispering in your ear. See, I told you so. You shouldn't have listened to that guy. That guy's insane. He's he's the Antichrist. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, you shouldn't have listened to him. You should have turned the off button. Don't listen to him. He has no he has no idea what he's talking about. And then everything in your life just goes back to normal. And then you miss. Then you miss. In this case, I'm just talking about the barley harvest. What else do you miss in the heavenly realm? What else do you miss in the rewards package and the inheritance package that you get in heaven for all of eternity? What else do you miss? I've done so much. I've dorked up so bad that I got no choice that, but to bring the battle right to the devil and to train as, teach as many people as I can at, until the day I die, which would be kind of cool if it was tonight, but I just have a feeling it isn't going to be. But anyway, the point, I hope you're understanding that you're going to have to go through the battle. Treat them. They are going to act like cockroaches, the German ones, the little nasty little German ones, and the bed bugs. They're very hard to get rid of. They keep coming back, 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 back. So I'm here to encourage you that if you keep that fight going, you you will get to a place of peace. But you're going to have to get rid of them first. You can't. You can't, like, walk around with a can of Raid and spray it around your house if it's completely infested with German cockroaches and bedbugs or whatever and say, oh, wow, problem solved. Way to go, Raid. Pat it on the back. Go get yourself a couple of more bombs. Set them off and just walk around with a victory sign. It doesn't work like that. You have to sprinkle borax all over the house. You've got to go out of, out of the way. And that leads me to helping you understand how to get rid of these things. Because I want you to be fully enabled to not only make the barley harvest, but to um, be to to destroy the works of the devil and to not become discouraged when things go south for you a little bit in the process. That's that is a badge of honor. When you get attacked, when things go south, when bad things happen to you because you're putting these tactics, these prayer tactics into work, guess what? Badge of honor, man. Purple heart. Hallelujah. Keep going. Here is your hope. You're going to get rid of the bugs. You will. And I use this tactic continuously. Now, I will share with you that I have published a lot of this, but not all of it, and it's due for an updating. I admit it, and, you know, but I'll get to it someday. I have a, t- but right now, everything that's on that on, if you go to tribulationnow.org and you, if you're using a mobile device, which a lot of people do nowadays, it'll be the lower menu. You know those three white lines or whatever that you can click and the menu drops down? It'll be the lower one. And it'll have at the top, it'll say spiritual warfare prayers. Now, in there, it will talk to you about getting yourself holy oil, how to use it. It will tell you about how to clean your house of demons. You're going to need to do – I highly recommend that you do that. Chase them out, just like you were – you know – getting rid of bugs and herding them out the front door. 
it's all in there. You anoint the the top the tops, you know, like do, do it like Passover, like a cross, like they did with the lamb's blood. Top, left, right. Top, left, right. That's how I anoint myself in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And command it. See, I command in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the authority. I command in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ a fiery hedge of protection over this doorway. Let nothing unclean reenter in Jesus' name. And go to the next door. Go to the next window. Don't go nuts. Don't, like, throw a whole bottle of oil all over your glass. You don't need to do that. A lot of power in that oil. Little teeny weeny dabs. Pray over it. Command it. It's all in this one little article I have called Spiritual Warfare Prayers. The whole thing is there. The hows, the whys. It has all the scriptures that I read on the show for the courts of heaven. Talks a little bit about, quite a bit about that. But it, and then eventually when you get about a little about maybe about 20 25% down a quarter of a way down or whatever it there's a in big bolded letters it says rule of the victor prayer now i took this rule of the victor prayer from canaan ministries because i knew that the worst case scenario for demon possession is satanic ritual abuse s r a they call it S-R-A-D-I-D because the person is – they have multiple soul rooms. It, you call, they call it multiple personality disorder. They used to, but now they call it disassociative identity disorder. They gave it a new name. Nothing new there except the new name. S-R-A-D-I-D. <clears throat> and well, the reason why I went to Canaan Ministries is that they published a little free downloadable booklet of a whole bunch of different prayers that they used for their SRADID victims. And they are the worst case scenario victims. It doesn't get any worse than that. Well, I needed help. I had just been thrown down the stairs by a powerful strongman demon possessing, at the time, my wife, which was annulled later by God, which is a miracle in and of itself. And I was probably about twice their size, but when a demon takes control of an individual, they have superhuman strength. She threw me down the hall. She threw me down the stairs. She smashed my head into the drywall all the way through and then proceeded to go out and talk to the police and tell them that I tried to kill her. There were four police cars out there. They saw the blood coming off of my body and immediately arrested her. Thank you, Jesus. But, she was being controlled by witch covens around the area. And they're everywhere. They're in your town. Don't think you live just because you're in Missoula, Montana, or, you know, whatever. No, they're there. As a matter of fact, there's probably more than them than there are Christians. And they are very powerful. And by the way, they don't, they don't have to submit to the same rules that the demons do. Because they're humans, and they are willfully asking the demons to walk into them. So the rules of engagement change a little bit. Now, I discovered from Canaan Ministries this rule of the victor prayer, and they gave some history behind it. And 
Basically, it's according to Leonard M., and I'm just reading it right off the website. According to Leonard M. Onspach, a specialist in satanic ritual abuse and spiritual warfare, using these prayers against the forces of darkness, future attacks against his clients and his ministry were greatly reduced and in most cases completely eliminated. Wow. Well, when I read that, I said, that's for me, because I, things, I was under attack. Bad. So she had already left. You know, that whole thing was water under the bridge, but it did not matter. These witch covens were bound because, because you got to understand, Satan goes to the witch covens and say they, 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 an instruction is given. He visits them. He actually goes to the witch coven. He, it's in a house somewhere, somebody's house, in their dining room. And they sit around a dining room table, and they do all that weird hocus-pocus, dominocus weirdness, and <clears throat> conjure up Satan. Satan appears as a really good-looking man, just like in the Fox TV show kind of thing. And he sits there, and he has conversations. They strategize. And he gives out orders, and they have to follow the orders because they know that he will horrifically punish them, and it will be agonizing. They are horrified of him. And he says, kill Johnny Baptist. Just like a global satanic crime syndicate, just like the Godfather himself spoke, kill Johnny Baptist. Next thing you know, a pretty girl with blonde hair is dropping donuts off at the front door of my house. Oh, coincidentally, at the same time, I'm praying to God and telling him how lonely I am. And maybe, even though it was prophesied that I would be a well-known end times pastor and single, I thought, well, gee whiz, Father, you know, didn't I fulfill the prophecy? Maybe, you know, and, and after all, Adam, you know, you felt sorry for Adam for being lonely. You know, maybe you could, maybe you could cut me a break. Was I opening up a hole? I don't know. Did I have other well-known saints praying for me? Yes, I did. But for whatever reason, Satan's command to kill me went into effect. Pretty blonde girl shows up in my house. And I told her when she first, the first time I encountered her, oh, and by the way, coincidentally, the first time I ever saw her car pull into my driveway was during the prayer vigil. I'm sure that was a coincidence. Not. I saw it in my security camera. I'm going, what is that? The car is pulling in. It's like 10:15. What is that? I didn't order any, you know, Pizza Hut. So I go down to the door, and there she is standing, and I kind of like, she seemed surprised because she was dropping off more pastries. And, of course, I'm a pastry sucker. Who isn't, right? And, uh, you know, but she said a few things, and I said, um, well, no, you have to understand. I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm married to Jesus. And I held up my hand with my Ani Lodoti Vidoti ring, you know, my my um I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. The, the Jewish people like to buy them as wedding rings because they think of it in an earthly way. They don't realize it's a pact between you and Jesus as the bride and, you know, bridegroom. But anyway, I told her, no, I'm married to Jesus. I'm sorry. 
and tears rolled down her eyes, right in front of my face. Big, giant alligator tears. Which, of course, anybody who has the empathy of Jesus in their heart, you don't want to see that. And she said, you were my last hope. She turned around and walked back, got in her car and drove away. Now, back to the rule of the victor prayers. Remember, Satan got into those witch covens and said, kill Johnny Baptist. All right, you got to get that part. Doesn't matter what, what they do. But they started out with the pretty blonde girl, okay? And I'm not going to get into all of the sociological impossibilities and mechanics associated with all that because I was a sitting duck. And she was really an incredible Christian, Her what they call core. Her normal personality loved the Lord. She loved the radio show. She loved Paul Bagley. She loved – she would just love them. But she was – a victim of the devil, and she was a tool of Satan to kill me. Now, and I knew, and I knew I had to get her delivered, and I set up all that with some specialists and went through all kinds of stuff, but the devil made sure that he got her out of there before she was delivered. What would you do with your CIA operative? You'd pull them out. If they got if they got discovered, pull out your CIA op. And that's exactly what Satan did. Literally three days before she was supposed to go down and start her deliverance work with Dr. Preston Bailey, who operates about an hour from my house. Who used to be with Danny Duvall in Bride Ministries, but has broken away and does his own thing now. But anyway, The rule of the victor prayers are on that web link, and I started using those for quite some time. And it got better and better and better, just like it said it would, just like this guy Leonard M. Onspach said it, it did to his ministry, where it says, we exercise the rule of the victor over all demonic regions that have set their wills against me. We exercise the rule of the victor over all the demonic regions that have allowed these spirits in or through their territory. We command that they be be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, which is spoils of war. We require the immediate destruction of all their books and artifacts of sorcery, and we require the immediate reversal of all their schemes. Penalties applied into the pit in Jesus' name. Pretty straightforward, but evidently very effective, because if those things are put into effect, it renders that demonic entity impotent. And penalties are applied and they're cast into the pit on top of it all. What I, when I learned about the holy fire of God, and I had been using the holy fire of God in my prayers, spiritual warfare prayers and such, for quite some time, even before the rule of the victor prayer. But I thought to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute, if the number one greatest fear of the demonic world 
is the holy fire of God, then why in the world would I not use it instead? And I did. I essentially stopped using the rule of the victor prayer, although I still sometimes use it a little bit. But what I did was, instead, I shifted and I said, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, I decree that any entity of the darkness, any worker of Satan, any live or dead human spirit, any member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, at the very moment that it sets its will against me, I decree the holy fire of God to shoot down from the glory pillar and to burn them into screaming and horrific agony and to stick to them like white-hot magnesium napalm, scattering the darkness in all directions. I decree in Jesus' name that the holy fire of God will vaporize all spiritual and earthly weapons. I declare the holy fire of God to encircle my house and to be intermingled with the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit and blown white hot and sustained on all sides. I plead with the courts of heaven in the name of Jesus for warrior angels to stand guard at the front of my dwelling place and to follow me wherever I go. I plead with the courts of heaven in the name of Jesus for a platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission in Jesus' name to ferret out all attempts to come against me, to enter into my workplace, to enter into anyone I know, to enter into their homes, to look for any attacks that are attempting to come against me and to destroy them, to place the demons, deaf, blind, and dumb, cast them into the pit. And guess what? The effectualness of that method was much faster. Because these things really do horrifically fear the fire of God. So when you read the booklet, How Satan Stops Our Prayers, Combat in the Spiritual Realm, or the Heavenly Realm, depending on which booklet you get, When it says that the demons, when they see the prayers turn into fire, that that it's the most horrible, frightful thing that the demons can see, and they scatter and they run in all directions. Imagine using that as your weapon. That's what you want to do. It's highly effective. Highly effective. Now, does that mean you won't have a bad day here or there? No. Does it mean that the devil will stop trying to attack you? No. Does it mean that the witch covens will never do what they were originally told by Satan to do in the first place, which is to kill Johnny Baptist or whoever? No. Does it mean that you might be in trouble if you let your guard down? Yes. But you can achieve... Peace. You can achieve a type of a walk which whereby you have trust, you have peace, 
you'll have occasional struggles because we will. We always will. Um, but you'll come, you can and will and, you know, come to a place in your walk where it's no longer a daily burden. And you will even develop a confidence that you're protected. And you will start to trust God again even more than you did before. Because let me tell you, your faithful waver and your trust and everything else will start to waver when you start taking some beatings here and there. And you've got to get it under control and whip it into uh, submission. Then you can go and execute upon the prayers and the tactics that you have heard on this program over the years and do it on a daily basis and really open up a can of whoop on these things on a daily, every day, every single day. I wake up at 4.15 in the morning, feed my dogs, come upstairs, take a shower, do you know, take my vitamin pills. I turn around, turn all the lights off, light a candle. I anoint with the Exodus oil, which I get from uh, Lion of Judah, L-O-J-O-I-L.com, uh, Sister uh, um, um, uh, Lindy, Pier- Lindy Pierce, and... Um, and I use the Exodus oil. I anoint the vessels like the Levitical priesthood used to do. The vessels would be the bottle of the Mount Hermon red wine, which I get from Israel, uh, the the chalice, which I use to take the communion with, the crystal decanter where I have my matzah, um, you know, unleavened bread. And then I also anoint the water in the golden bowl of forgiveness that the Lord has given me off of eBay. It's another testimony. And then, communion, I hold up the golden bowl of forgiveness and I pray for entire continents of people using the exact same tactics, the exact same words that I use on this show. Every, almost every morning. I might take one day off. Spiritual warfare prayers, when done properly, will suck a lot of energy out of you. And you've got to have a lot of protein to return it. And by the way, that's covered in books and things if you do any reading. <clears throat> then I pray for myself and others and you. I, put the, I grab my pillows. I have one of those... Um, foam pillows because I don't want to hurt my knees. I get on my knees on top of the foam pillow. I put another pillow on top of my recliner, which is my prayer chair, which my one dog I think I think senses the presence of the Holy Spirit because she she don't want to be anywhere but on that chair. And um and I get on my knees, I anoint myself in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit with some regular anointing oil because you can't use the Exodus oil. It'll burn you and you're not supposed to anyway. Um, and I I consecrate myself just like I do on a radio show to the complete ownership of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray for purification like we do on the program all the time I confess of my sins even those of which I do not know that I've committed because I know that I'm filthy and I'm unworthy anyway which is true and then I um, will uh, pray for Many, 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 many people. I can't remember all of their names, but God can. 
And then there are people that have been close to me over the years and have helped me with the ministry and things like that, and I pray for them all by name and their families. If their families are divided and some of them have received the vaccine, I command the holy fire of God to purify it, that it will have no effect on them. And it hasn't. I get... I won't tolerate people trying to talk to me about that subject because the ignorance out there is so unbelievable that um, it makes Mount Everest look like a tiny anthill. <laughs> so if somebody emails me about that subject, they're not getting an answer. I, I answered all the questions on the radio show. I've done my job. Now, um, and then I, I walk around. I actually envision where each one of the people that I pray for lives. I envision it in my head and I do a walk around. I walk, I go up the East Coast, I go over to Europe, I pray for the people that that I need to pray for over in Europe by name. I mention their families, their children, their wives. I pray for their specific issues and problems and challenges. I bind and cast out demons in cases where I know that some of them have them. Um, I pray for my ex, uh, Trisha, the one that attacked me. I ask for archangels to be sent down to rip for, I want that thing that attacked me to be punished beyond words, and I pray for that every day. And I pray for her and then the rest of her family as well. I pray for my daughter. I don't worry about it. It's in God's hands. I pray for her husband. I pray for my ex. I pray for her, my ex's mom, her dad, their new husbands and why I pray for all of them pray for friends of the radio show people that have written music for the program over the years I pray for them I pray for people that have been guests on the program that are going through very hard times I pray for people that help me with the radio show and the news all over the place I pray for people all over and I walk the entire world because if I do it geographically in my head, I know I'm not going to miss anybody because I remember who lives in England. I remember who lives in France. I remember who lives in Belgium. I remember who lives in all of these different places, and it reminds me, and I can just do it. I know geography really well because I'm an extra-class AM radio operator. So it just helps me remember everybody. And then I pray for you. I lift up every listener of this radio show, and I beseech God oftentimes with huge gushing tears in my eyes, praying that every single one of you will make the barley harvest. I pray for a tenfold blessing fervently with all of my heart, and I mean it. I pray for holy fire and a tenfold blessing to protect and to surround and bless and prosper every single person who mentions me even for a moment before the throne room of God. Because I fear God. And if I say I'm going to do it and I don't, that makes me a liar. And in the book of Revelation, all liars will be cast into the lake of fire, Gehenna. And that ain't a pretty place. I'm not going there. I hope you don't either. Never say you'll pray for somebody and not. If someone asks you to pray for them, stop, drop, and pray. I don't care where you are. You can be standing in a Starbucks reaching over for your quad venti latte and your, your blueberry muffin, but let me tell you something. If you get an email on your phone and somebody says, please pray for me, and you say, okay, you better stop, 
drop, and pray because you don't want, you are on holy ground. You don't want to be lying and forgetting. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, it's been a long week. Um, I am going to ask you, because you're the, the people that are listening to this program are, in my opinion, the strongest Christians of all those who listen to the programs that I do. And I'm going to toss this fleece over for a, a little bit of additional prayer, and here's why. God might, and I say this with the greatest of care, which is why I need the prayer. Our Father might be answering my situation at work. After years of, I, I, I even got myself, just to give you an idea, I got myself this thing, and it's really cool, it's not expensive, from, uh, actually I found it on Amazon, but I bought it from, from Walmart.com because it was about $30 less. And it's made by a company called Omron, O-M-R-O-N. And, um, oh golly, let me get a flashlight here so I can give you the model. Okay, it says Omron. Um, wow, that is really hard to see. Okay, it's an Omron Intelli with an I, Sense. Omron IntelliSense, and it is an all-in-one, it's a cuff-based blood pressure monitor, but it's got all the electronics built right into the cuff, and it's portable and runs off of tri- AAA batteries, and it's unbelievably accurate and super easy to use. I mean, I can carry this with me everywhere I go, and it keeps graphs on your phone. It automatically updates graphs of your blood pressure over days and days and days of time, and you can track it. And I have the worst-case scenario blood pressure. My dad died from it. Aortic aneurysm. My blood, my blood pressure will go, with little warning, to 235 over 120. And it is, even the blood pressure monitor will tell you, you need to go to the emergency room. It has like a special name for it. I I don't remember exactly what it calls it. It turns it bright red and says, you know, this is your walking dead man. So I've been taking this very frequently. I usually anywhere from four to six times a day, and I have my charts. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because this constant stress that I go through with my current job might get let, I'm not. I don't believe that there is a such thing as a job that is zero stress. But I will say this: from the description of this possible, and I say that so strongly, maybe possible opportunity that I might, that the Lord may be presenting to me. And the only reason I gave my resume at all was because it was the person who actually brought me into cybersecurity back in 1997 that called that called me up and said I got a position open Are you interested and I was reluctant I waited 3 4 5 months I did not send him anything and right after I got fired by that one company right when I had that really really horrible week and my BP was running you know, walking dead man, aneurysm any moment, flashing red. 
And I went, you know, the, the client just said she couldn't communicate with me. And I'm like one of the best communicators that I've ever met. And I've been told this by, I don't even know how many hundreds of people. So this woman, there was something wrong with her. And if my guess is right, she was demon possessed. And the demons could sense me and they could sense Jesus and see Jesus. I'm telling you folks, as a fact, people that have demons inside of them, they will see the holy fire. And and they will control the person that is that they're controlling, and they will make bad things happen to you. They hate you. Now the person is a victim, and they don't know any better. But that's my hunch, because I don't know how I can have dealt with thousands of customers over 26 years of time and never had a single one say anything negative about me ever. My BP hit 235 over 120, 121, 122 during that, you know, periodically during that whole exercise of grief and frustration. And after four plus months of me not responding to my ex-boss, not sending him my resume, basically just not responding, I figured the job was gone already. He calls me up on the phone and he says, you know, John, I'm coming down to Tampa and I'm going to be visiting. I'll be bringing Liz, my wife, and everything. It'll be good to see you again, but I wanted to let you know that job is still open if you want it. That was the same week. And he just called tonight, moments before the prayer vigil started. Again. I need prayer, please, because I can't make a mistake. I won't get a second chance. If this is Satan trying to pull me out of, albeit a highly stressful job, but nevertheless maybe a, a more secure than I realize, I don't know. But some of the advantages are I will not have to travel, so no more flying to customer sites all the time. Now, granted, we're not doing that right now, but you can see that the you know Omicron and all that other stuff is starting to diminish, and a lot of the COVID restrictions are going down. So pretty soon, my company will have us all flying again. I won't be billable, which means I don't live under continuous pressure to bill, 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 bill. Oh, no, you didn't. Like today, I had to sit there and fill out an email and explain every time I went to the restroom, every time I wrote, every time I read a book, every time, because they need to know every little thing that you're doing because you're not billing out to the client. They treat you like a three-year-old. I don't have real vacation. It's a gift if they decide to give it to me, but there's no vacation entitlement at all where I work. If they don't want to give me any, they don't have to give me any. But there's no, no vacation entitlement at all. There's no two weeks. There's no one week. None of that stuff. It's not that they won't let you sometimes have it. It's just that it's very contingent. And if you ever upset your boss, don't expect to see it. Just the idea at the age of 60 to not have to spend the last seven years of my work life Jumping on airplanes, running through airports, going to client sites and dealing with this level of pressure where I'm going to 235 over 120 regularly, to me, sounds like a, an unbelievable blessing from God. But you have to understand the grass is always greener and the devil is always going to go after your Achilles heel. 
just like that blonde woman with the donuts at the front door of my house after 10 years of celibacy. So please, if you would, God bless you and thank you, and I will pray for you as well. Pray for me. Please pray like this. Father, in the name of Jesus, please open only the doors that you want to have open for John and slam shut all the other doors. Make it vividly clear that this is your will to him. Do not allow him to make a mistake, Father. I pray for a divine protection around him. In Jesus' name, amen. What did that take? 20 seconds? If you do that for me, believe me, I'll be on my knees praying for you. I will anyway. I will anyway. Praise God. And on that note, I like I said, I never know what's going to happen when I start a prayer vigil. I never know what I'm going to talk about. I, I don't know. I just follow the feelings that I feel. I've always been like that. It's like uh, Andrew Womack when he talks about his ministry work. He's like, I never, I never prepare for a sermon, you know. I just show up and the Holy Spirit just takes control of me and I just start talking. And next thing you know, I got to, and everybody's blessed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's kind of like what happens to me. I never plan anything. Just kind of start, stuff starts popping in my head and like a gumball machine. <laughs> it's like a Holy Spirit-filled gumball machine. <laughs> it's like, it pops in my head. It pops out my mouth. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, on that note, let's just go ahead and share communion. I don't want to go through all the music tonight, folks. I've had a long, long week. That's okay. We will be doing it again for sure. But let's go ahead and take communion together. Father, Father, we pray that you will purify us. Lord God, we're filthy. We are. We know it. We don't want to be. We want to be pure. We want to be holy and acceptable as our spiritual service of worship to you. A bride without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Holy and without a blemish. But we can only be that by your grace. We plead your blood, Lord Jesus, upon us. O oh Lord, Father God, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. Cleanse us. Surround us with your holy fire. Intermingle it with a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot. Allow us to reside in the secret place of the Most High. Lord Jesus, the day that you were betrayed, you took bread and you broke it and said thanks. Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, after supper, the Lord Jesus took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death until I come for you. Ani Lodoti Lodoti Li. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Choose us, please. Amen. God bless you all. See you next Friday. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our minds, renew our souls Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Set her free Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full Our hearts are right Like those five white virgins we will be Your bride awaits sleep patiently Longing for that blessed sound that will rise. The churches gather, we're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, We will bring forth the fruit of the light of truth.
When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set it free 